You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We're the business development resource for group practice owners, where we talk candidly about business ownership and leadership. From practice building tips to live coaching to real talk episodes with other group practice owners, we're the resource you've been looking for to help you grow your group practice. I'm your host, group practice owner and entrepreneur, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the Group Practice Exchange for $100 off your first month. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm excited to have person-centered tech, Roy and Lyeth, with me again. I think you guys have been on a couple times now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I feel so. like you're yeah. in my sphere a lot. Um, right. It's such an important <laughs> topic to talk about HIPAA. Um, and maybe not always so glamorous, but... Um, Man. I think it's scary for most people. Um, But, you know, with COVID, the awareness of, or not even the awareness of, but the, uh, because I feel like most group practice owners are are pretty aware of of HIPAA and and security, Mm. but they're almost putting it a little bit more front and center where it used to be this thing, Mm -hmm. I'll get to it once all these more fun projects and things Mm -hmm. get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we've been kind of functioning for almost a year, um, strictly through technology, people are starting to pay a little bit more attention to the policies and procedures that they have, uh, specifically around HIPAA and security, um, and having their s- staff at home and the devices that they're using. So we figured it'd be a great time to have you back on. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what's been going on in, in your sphere these past six months or so? What Have you seen anything different going on with group owners? Have you noticed conversations mm. shifting with the practice owners that you're working with? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Elias is going to speak to that really well. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because at the beginning of COVID, everyone was transitioning in this emergent kind of crisis situation to how do we provide care? How do we just get the functionality in place to be able to continue to serve our clients and keep operating? Then we kind of moved into, uh, okay, we got the bare minimum in place. How do we actually optimize this to be able to sustain our practice and thrive while working in this context long-term? Now we're in a phase where 
folks are really looking at the foundation in terms of their security picture and training and how they resource and support their teams because there's the sense now of we're providing all of our client care and all our practice operations through tech. And so what are the vulnerabilities that brings up and how do we manage that appropriately in a risk management sense? So that's been something that's kind of newly at the top of a lot of group practice owners focus. What especially are some everyone's, Go ahead, especially because everyone's especially because everyone's at home. Yeah, you know, the staff are at home. They're like, I tried to set up my office to like do this stuff well, and now I'm like, I have no choice. What can I do? So a lot of people throw up their hands because they just don't. It's it starts with just not even knowing what the boundaries of what sufficient work is when your people are at home. So how do you know how to like set it up correctly? I was gonna say, what are you guys noticing? Um, are the vulnerabilities that are popping up, or the um, spaces where practice owners are? Uh, making risk where they don't realize it. Yeah. Well, I I think it's actually really good to talk about um, what the actual risks are when it comes to HIPAA and make mm-hmm. sure we differentiate that a little bit from actual risks in terms of like, you know, client relationships or things like that. Um, and the, the, and, but they can, they actually dovetail more than we might realize because like HIPAA is a regulation, right? And so regulations mean that there's, you know, regulatory bodies, yada, yada. Um, and so, you know, one thing I think makes our job harder sometimes is the, you know, you know, various people out there who will, uh, sort of send out these very scary emails that are like, if you don't listen to me and what I'd have to tell you, the, the HIPAA police are going to come and, and take your firstborn child or whatever it is they're trying to claim. <laughs> and, and like the, the thing is like random audits almost, I, they literally have only happened twice or like two periods of them, like under HIPAA, like they actually big, make big announcements when they're like, we're going to do some random audits now. Yeah. And like you get, um, like you get this email asking you for information before, you know, just to see if you go into the pool to be audited. And so like, it's not out of nowhere. It's not. Um, and it's like, it's also extremely unlikely for smaller practices. Um, like if you've got a practice like 40, 50 people, it's possible that they like that if you get randomly selected to be surveyed, and they see that, maybe then they'll decide to audit you. Um, but even then, you're still kind of low on the totem pole. So people one. are, so there's two steps to it. So just being yeah. asked to be surveyed doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually going to be audited. Exactly. That's right. And we're not in one of those periods. So you won't yeah. even have it right now. Like it happened in 2012, it happened in 2016. They have not announced any any intended changes or like intended upcoming audit periods. That's they, weird because you, it seems like it should be happening based off well, of the years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like a four year cycle. Yeah. No, um, but I don't know. That's why they did it. I think it's just more like when they have the resources or something. Okay. But the um, the the audits happen really in response to things. So. There's two ways that happens. One, the most common by far, is that a client files a HIPAA complaint, which is very easy to do. And those complaints um, are usually over really minor slip-ups. Like in our experience, um, I don't, I'm going to let Lyeth speak to this because Lyeth has a better 
grasp on all the things we've seen because she tends to work directly with groups. Um, so like, Lyeth, what would you want to say? Like, cause we also don't want to like talk about who got this or like, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. But like, like, what would you say about, you know, slip ups that have re- resulted in client complaints? The most common cause of those has been uh, email going awry, typically BCC uh, not actually being used when it was thought to have been used and one client getting emailed uh, with another client's information. Right. Um, And in some cases, it's not even the, it's been the client who received someone else's info who (laughs) complained. Yep. Right. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting thing about it. It's not the person who's impacted who complains a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's, that's always kind of interesting because it is very easy to file a HIPAA complaint. And if your complaint is a legitimate HIPAA issue or non, non-compliance issue, uh, they will follow up. They will always follow up. But the thing is, like, how, of all of our, our group practice clients who've had such a thing occur live, how many of them got audited as a follow-up? None. Zero. That's right. Wow. Right. But they... Yeah. What they got is a letter that says, we got the complaint. We see you. We saw what happened. Um, Don't let it happen again. Essentially. It's like, it's like, here's resources for getting compliant. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it says like, you know, if this happens again, or we get a complaint again, we're more likely to actually audit. And that's, that totally matches what they said in all their educational uh, settings and everything with us asking, Hey, what's going to trigger an audit? They're like, well, if it looks like there's a systemic issue, we'll audit. Or you're really big, we'll audit, <laughs> right? So like, like because there's like you know the the potential to harm a lot of people, right? So like they'll do that. So the I don't want to say this and make everyone go, oh, HIPAA doesn't matter. I want to say this because the thing is, getting the letter is still kind of scary, and you don't want to be there, like because it, it really is the case that if you got a complaint again, you're probably going to get audited, and they're going to see you as a practice with systemic issues, which is when they really get that's when they get ornery. Is yeah. when they're like, you seem to have systemic issues. We're going to do something about that. And you don't want to be there, right? The, the other place you get audited is uh, if you have a security breach, you know, you go through the process of, of investigating the security breach, um, and then you have to notify the feds, the, the HIPAA, HIPAA people, uh, as part of the breach. That's part of what you're supposed to do. You notify all the impacted clients and the feds. Um, and at that point, that may trigger... A response, some kind of audit. Once again, depending on the nature of your breach, it may be just like the complaint where they just send a letter and say, hey, we saw this. Make sure you get compliant. If it happens again, we're more likely to audit you. Now, this, the, the reason to talk about it this way is because we really want to make sure people are actually aiming at what's really important, not just at checklists. I mean, not that there aren't checklists, you know, they can be very helpful, but like, uh, but we don't want people to aim at the idea of avoiding a random audit. I'm like, you're, you're not going to have that happen. But <laughs> so like the, the thing that people often, most often complain about is situations where they feel that their privacy or someone else's privacy is not being well taken care of. Or, and here's the other big one is where you're um, not releasing records as quickly and friendly as the client wants. Right? And that's that actually question one of the being places. asked a lot in my yeah. Facebook group. Um, practice or clinicians are very uh, right. resistant to handing yeah. out notes. We, and we, um, there's new, new rules <laughs> coming in April that um, we really need to rethink that. 
And I, we've been needing to rethink that for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach my ethics students to write their notes as if the client's going to read them and not just because like they can get them released or something, but because that's the direction of healthcare documentation in America. Wait, can you just tell, um, let's, let's sidestep for th- three yeah. minutes max. What is, <laughs> what is happening in April? <laughs> What? What? Oh, you want to know about that now that I mentioned it? What? Yes, <laughs> please. I'm like, sorry, sorry to mention something. I'd be like, and then let's talk about something else, Marie. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> the, um, okay, so uh, you may have heard of it as the open notes rule. That may be what you're hearing. Um, that's the name we give to it because it ends up creating that situation. The, the actual rule name is called information blocking. And I want to make sure everyone hears this is not a HIPAA rule. This is not a HIPAA rule although it is from Health and Human Services. It's a different agency, right? It's the agency that, re- that covers electronic health records, where electronic health records actually refers to something very specific. Like 99% of us do not use electronic health records. We use something called just electronic medical records or practice management systems. They are not certified EHR systems. Uh, we use the term EHR for convenience, which is fine, really. You know, I'm pretty pedantic about terms, but in this case, I'm like, whatever, that doesn't make a difference. But right now it is making a big difference because that that determines whether your system has to follow this new rule or not. All right. So like, for example, I know Therapy Notes advertises with the exchange. Therapy mm-hmm. Notes is not a certified EHR. And Therapy Notes does not have the capability to do what the op- what we call the open notes rule does, Right. So, like, because it doesn't have the capability, if you're using therapy notes when that time come when the time comes, there's not really any changes you need to make to your systems. Um, but the thing is, you do need to be aware that there are changes to expectations in the general sense, especially if therapy notes changes how they do client portals. Right. Like one of our people uh, asked therapy notes about this, and the response was. We don't currently have that capability when the capability being that like, as soon as you write your note, it gets pushed to the client portal, meaning like, and and the whole note, your progress notes as well. Like not, not just like, you know, the fact that I saw you and you know, maybe here was my diagnosis. Like you often see an after visit summaries from your doctor. Yeah. I mean, like, like your progress note, mm-hmm. right? Psychotherapy the notes don't, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Like psychotherapy notes don't have to be pushed this way, but but there's a lot of caveats about the idea of psychotherapy notes. That's a whole thing. I want everyone to be real careful if you start latching onto that phrase because yes, it's named in a way that's very misleading, right? Um, but that's a that's got to be a different topic. Sorry, Marie. <laughs> 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 yeah. So like the um, but like you know, it's like, like basically it's like you write your note and like the idea is it pushes to the client portal, like. And, and this is the big difference. Like, um, we've been working a lot with Eric Strom, who's a mental health attorney and a counselor in Washington, a good friend of ours. Um, he keeps insisting, he's like, guys, this is no different from the rights people have always had. We have to adjust to this. This is just more of us needing to adjust to it. And, and like, he keeps insisting and nothing's changing. And I'm like, you're right that client rights aren't changing. But there's a difference between client having to pull the records from us and us having to push the record to the client. Yeah. And the new rule says you have to push the record to the client if you have the technical capability to do so. So, meaning if therapy notes, simple practice, or whatever other, yeah. now I don't want to call it an EHR, but whatever other practice yeah. management practice system. Management system. Using, yeah. 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 Um, allows for pushing out a mm-hmm. progress note after it's been done to a client portal so the client yeah. can see it 
then we have to allow you will have that. To do it. Yes. You will have to actively use it. Yes. Like, like if it's an option. So like, for example, when our, when our customer, our clients, you know, group practice owner asked therapy notes about this, they're like, no, we don't have a plan to do that because they don't have to. Certified EHR systems have to give you this by April. They have to make it possible. And healthcare providers must use it. That's Are there cool. any certified uh, EHRs that a group practice that, that might is kind of common that a group practice owner uses? Not Office common. Ally. Oh. Office Ally is a big one. Practice okay. Mate. Yeah. Practice Mate. Yeah. Uh, that one. We is... also know. So if you're using that, you are. You're going to have to do this. Okay. Yes. I know some yeah. people who use that. Yeah. Well, they should yep. consider whether they want to go start studying up on Open Notes. Go to OpenNotes.org. There's a site for it. There's a group that's been pushing open notes as a norm for like 10 years. Lots of great resources, including some trainings from uh, an LCSW who's got some great trainings about open notes and mental health. You can do that. Um, or you can switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just something that doesn't give you the capability to do this. And that was actually been the big, uh, if you excuse my plugging our office hours service. Go <laughs> like, for it. Thanks. Oh, that's good. Cause it's called go. It's group office hours. Or go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm reading on the joke. No, but, uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, <laughs> no, the, in the group office hours, it's been a, a hot topic of discussion and we bring in Eric, our attorney friend, and we talk about it and like, it's the, the big, big thing is this whole issue of like um, those who are using a certified EHR. It's like, mm-hmm. do we do we turn the boat around? You know, because it's a practice. You know, like tens of people uh, working for you. We're like, well, either we go into April having to immediately push out progress notes about domestic abuse, um, children, CPS in cases, divorce, CPS cases, and just having to push it right to the client. Um, because Eric actually made a strong point that like, you don't have to push a note if, uh, you believe it will harm the client. Right. Um, but but his point, yeah, but he made a strong point. He's like, he's like, most of the time when we think something will harm a client, that doesn't meet the standard. Yeah. Right. Because the documentation for it has to be rigorous. The client has a right to see it and has the right to have another, a qualified provider review it to see and all the supporting materials to see if they agree with the um, determination by their therapist. So it's a lot higher bar than I think we like to think of it when we're trying to to hold on to those notes. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, We think of that as, we think of that a little too conveniently. Yeah. Right. Not that it's not there, but like, so that kind of thing happens. So we're like, uh, a big topic that came up, we just had this session with Eric on, Eric, for those, he's an attorney and, and a counselor, um, and very steeped in HIPAA and telehealth. Um, mm-hmm. And like the big discussion was like, he was really trying to say to people, y'all need to adjust open notes. Like, yeah. that's where we're going. He's like, y'all had need to adjust to this. And there's a lot of that discussion, like we were sort of advocating for the, but, you know, how are we going to manage pushing progress notes about CPS cases? domestic violence cases, all these kinds of things. How are we going to manage pushing those by April mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't cause a bunch of harm all over the place? How are we retraining? How are we figuring that out? And it's not just that we have to do it by April. It's that we have to do it in a way, um, we have to do it without knowing what the regulators actually want. Yeah. And because is that pushing knowing out the old notes then too? Yes. Yes. All the old stuff is going to be visible? 
Yes. The idea is, is it, if you do not engage in making the stuff immediately available, mm-hmm. then you're committing information blocking. Okay. So it does not mean and, from yeah. April on any notes. It's all of them. Okay. Yeah. Because it's an issue of how people access, because they always yeah. had that right to access. Right. Now it's just, you have to make the, the, the method of access uh, be immediate and right in front of them without needing to request. Yeah. If you have the capability and so that's why with the, I think a, a big conclusion I had last Friday, we're talking about two days ago, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, yeah, definitely those practices where there's a high sensitivity, really, if you're using a certified EHR, you probably want to consider switching to something that's a practice management system that's not certified. So you have time. And so we can watch what happens after April and see how the regulators actually do this and what they actually expect, because the rule is not the same as the execution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it should be noted that we give that recommendation with a lot of yes, thought. A lot. Oh my God. And and, Weeks, and yeah. consideration mm-hmm. because typically, you know, switching practice management systems is a hugely onerous and time consuming undertaking. So not one that we advise right. um, mm-hmm. to be taken lightly ever. Right. So yeah. the fact that we're saying mm, in this situation, we think when you do a, a cost benefit analysis that it is going to be prudent for, for certain practices to invest the time and effort to make that switch. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, of course, <laughs> way, yeah. way more than three minutes, but I feel like it's such a, an important topic. Um, and <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I, I think whoever's listening to this, um, either a didn't even realize that this was a thing or B realized yeah. it, um, similar to me. And then it kind of went on the wayside for a little bit and, right. um, yeah. I haven't heard a, a lot about it. I think right. because the idea was most of the practice management systems that most of us are using um, don't, you know, Mm -hmm. can't do it. So then it was like, okay, don't need to think about this anymore. So thank you for for sharing some of the, that your uh, thoughts on it. And also, you know, going, digging a little deeper than what maybe most of us maybe really even knew about it. So back to um, (laughs) what COVID has done uh, (laughs) for group practices and um, maybe because we're, I know we, we don't have that much time left, but what are some of the things that I know you mentioned some of the vulnerabilities that you are seeing? What are, um, and I know you don't, you, you were talking about checklists and people love checklists. They want to just tick, tick, mm-hmm. tick and, and mm-hmm. move on, but that the checklist method might not be the smartest right now. It's more that right now it's more that if you just, if you were to get a generic checklist, just sort of mm-hmm. grab one, you'll probably do more than you need to or get yeah. more anxious than you need to. That's my reason really. Mm-hmm. Cause I, okay. usually checklists really help reduce anxiety, but I think in this case it'll feel, it'll get you overwhelmed Okay. because like you, you need to kind of pick your battles yeah. and, and mm-hmm. focus. Right. So like um, in terms of COVID and, and telehealth, um, if we assume everyone's, you know, use our various free and paid resources to get prepared for telehealth, um, the, the, you know, at that point, um, you know, Lyeth was the one who really brought this up several months ago, that everyone is very concerned about the fact that all their staff are working from home. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we had you on our podcast to talk about how you manage your staff remotely. And it was really helpful. And I was like, yeah, that's the kind of, there's a lot of great tool recommendations and such. And, 
And um, now the other issue is like, so what are the HIPAA compliance and actual security concerns that arise there? And like the, once again, we're looking at one of the biggest things we're trying to do is avoid client complaints, Mm -hmm. avoid Mm -hmm. HIPAA complaints. And we're trying to also ensure that we don't have something we have to report. And I really don't recommend that you take the strategy of simply not reporting it. Like that's, that would actually not be the best way to go, especially because um, when that comes up, if you don't report it to the feds, you have to choose, am I going to tell my client this thing happened? Because honestly, us personally, we're like, I don't want to keep it from the client. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you tell them, but don't tell the feds, I mean, now there's this trail of you not doing the the law. That you knew and just (laughs) withheld the information. Exactly. Yeah. And that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah. It'll be much easier to deal with the aftermath of reporting. Trust yeah. me. So, so like the, the big thing here is, um, you know, therapists know how privacy works, right? That's the advantage we have, but it's not only therapists working from home. Also therapists, um, may have therapists also have a different expectation of say like their family members mm-hmm. or roommates, or they just don't really know what to do with it because it's not in their training and there's so much going on that they kind of throw their hands up and just do their best and don't, and just sort of let it go. And so it's really important to give people clear guidance on what is expected of them in the home. And they, there's a big reason for that that I've really discovered in all the, like my 10 ish years of doing this, which is it's not just that people need to know, you know, what works. It's like people need to know the boundaries of expectation. Like when it comes to tech and HIPAA, the problem is that people don't even know that. Right. Like even that's unclear. What would be enough? Right. Mm-hmm. And so telling your staff, this is enough. And mm-hmm. this is the expectation gives them like a, like a basically being held, helps them be held really. Yeah. Right. And so I mean, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I've seen, um, you know, a lot of the therapists and clinical staff at practices have had anxiety during this time of feeling more responsibility or awareness of how things could go awry and that that's kind of that responsibility feels like it's in their court because it's in their home, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And right. so getting training and resources and really specific guidance on expectations and here are the standards we need to meet from the practice owners feels really supportive and helpful as opposed to intrusive and unfairly demanding because it's totally. it's something that they're understandably worried about. So we've seen this um, in particular when it comes to how they manage network security expectations around, you know, creating a private and confidential space. And then a big one has been BYOD, that even yeah. if a practice had a BYOD program in place, like an official bring your own device program and policy and support around that prior to COVID, that it's really needed to be relied on or bolstered in this new environment because people may exclusively be using their own devices. And that can, you know, if we're talking about surface area of risk vulnerability, that's the the primary one um, that needs to be managed in this context. Can we end with talking just a little bit about BYOD and um, mm-hmm. the the added risks uh, that working remotely, strictly remotely, has has done to that? Um, because I think that's just something that obviously all of us are dealing with. Right. 
I'll talk about a couple of risks and live. Yeah. You talk about solutions. Oh, I like, love this. Set up so organized. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, the I want everyone to understand that uh, often when we think about Wi-Fi or devices or things of that, like all those things, often what our first thought is is confidentiality issues. And mm-hmm. uh, a big thing people worry about or figure we're worrying about is someone spying on our internet connection or spying on our session. Th- that's actually really unlikely to be an issue for a lot of reasons I won't go into here. Um, our biggest concern when it comes to the safety of your devices is this device being accessed by the wrong person, which can include a family member, depending on the family member. I mean, sometimes it's like it can happen and it sucks. It's not good, but it's, you know, nothing happened, right? Nothing bad happened, but, that, but that's not always the outcome. And the other is viruses, and that's our big thing. Infecting your device. Big, 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 big effing deal. Okay, mm-hmm. so, Lias, solutions. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one solution um, that we've been recommending so much, it's like the big 2020, if you're going to get one new tool, <laughs> get a right, VPN. Yes. Get a VPN, VPN for, for your team because that allows them to securely connect to any network, um, whether or not it's one that could be designated as trusted or not without the device being potentially compromised. Um, and so even when we're using home Wi-Fi networks that we, prior to this new kind of scenario and so many vulnerabilities being exploited, would have said, well, you can, you know, make sure it's a segment network have a password on there you should should be okay to consider it trusted now there are additional security measures that need to be put in place on those and that can be kind of onerous so we say VPN is the simple technical solution that means that you are able to securely connect your device to any network so that is, it, is a is big it, deal is it expensive to supply VPN services to your entire team it is not. It is super cheap. And the very interesting thing as well is that a VPN is not a service that you need a business associate agreement with. Oh, nice. Which is a very rare thing in our yeah. field. Yeah. You, you won't hear us say that very often. <laughs> no, but in, but in this case, it's it's true. So that's one really useful tool to, to help manage this. And then just training your team on how right. to recognize uh, vulnerabilities like phishing has been something that's been really exploited um, this, this year because they're, you know, the bad actors are aware of the new vulnerabilities and opportunities for them that come with that. So we need to stay in step with that and make sure that our security awareness trainings for our teams are keeping them equipped to be able to recognize and not fall for those things too. So we're looking at a combination of technical measures and then behavioral measures. So training around the, how to identify those things and respond in the right way. And of course we have those trainings available for you to get to your team. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, And and not that I can imagine that any one of my listeners doesn't know your website, but for those (laughs) maybe don't, (laughs) where can they find information specific, you know, to group practice owners? I know you have some special stuff for them. Mm. We do indeed. Yeah. If you go to personcenteredtech.com slash groups, uh, or wait, is it group or groups? I think it's group. I don't think it's (laughs) I think it's just group. No S. Group. Personcenteredtech.com slash group. And we do have uh, staff HIPAA, role-based 
staff HIPAA trainings and teletherapy training, including one on teletherapy from the home or mobile office. Um, Perfect. And HIPAA security programs, et cetera. And you can just talk to me, should you want to, about what your practice's particular needs are. Thank you so much for coming on yet again. And I'm sure as as things shift a little bit here and there, (laughs) I'll be be asking you to come back. Yeah, we'd be happy to. We're going to hit you up to to come back to us first. Yeah, exactly. We have to trade trade these. Here we go. Here we go. We'll ping pong this. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so good to see you guys. You yeah, too. You yeah. Thank you so Have much, Maureen. Day. You Thanks, too. Maureen. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join the Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.